Good morning, my friend. Hope you're doing well. I can't believe it is the 11th of September. Of course, September 11th is a solemn day for the United States and Americans and really people who love freedom all over the world. It's, um, it's, it's one of those days that we remember some devastating things that happened to set off a whole chain of devastating events around the world. 9-11-2001 uh, was a day that changed my life. It ultimately ended in me going to Iraq and... Um, hard to believe that's been 21 years ago but uh, anyway to all the fallen uh, to all those impacted by 9-11 to people who lost someone in the events of 9-11 or in the conflicts to follow to those veterans who are still carrying the scars of some of those things uh, that they went through um, to the people I took care of in Iraq and to the children and the, and the Iraqi citizens that we took care of just in all the people that deployed with me and and all the families that dealt with all of us who came home with uh, wounds that some of which were invisible. Uh, just send, a, send out a prayer today for all of that stuff. Um, 9-11 changed the arc of my life forever, and I'm sure it did it yours in some ways well. And we, just, we just don't want to ever forget uh, what happened on that day. Hey, it's uh, we're talking about 30 good decisions that we can make in September, right? And uh, I saw a quote from C.S. Lewis yesterday that um, – kind of blew me away. He said that his biggest temptation, I don't have it in front of me, so it's not exact, but he said his biggest temptation, if you, if you view God as an ocean, a depth of love and, and wisdom and possibility and all that, um, that God is, there's no depth to the end of his um, bounty of what he, good things he can do for us. If you view God as the sea, C.S. Lewis said, my biggest temptation is to go down to the sea and not dive in and swim and, and sink and, and immerse myself in it, but to rather just dip my toe in it and splash around a bit and hold on to the lifeline of the shore and the things that I think I need from the outside world. That's his biggest temptation. It's just to go partly in. That's what we did the whole month of August. We did all in August. Like, hey, get in there and dive in and finally let go and let it, let's see what happens when we really trust God to keep his promises, right? So C.S. Lewis said his biggest temptation was just to dip his toe in but try to hold on to the world. We've talked a bunch about going down to Egypt and finding chariots and horses and the idea of the metaphor of trying to find security in some place in the past instead of letting God give you a new type of security in the future that's better or trying to be filled with with water and food that never really quench our thirst or, or fill our stomachs. And, and instead of letting God, the living water and the bread of life, fill us up with stuff that never goes away, right? And this morning in the newsletter that I'm getting ready to write, I'm going to show a picture of the North Platte, of the Platte River. So uh, east of North Platte, the river is completely dry for a stretch. There's not a drop of water in the river. And there's a guy that posted a picture on Twitter, gave me permission to use. And it's the, the river. There's a bridge and you're looking down at the river and there is no water in the river. And that's a great metaphor for what happens if we don't really trust Jesus to be enough for us then we'll never, we'll always find these times when we're just totally dry. And so it reminded me of this method of reading scripture that Eugene Peterson wrote a whole book about called Eat This Book. It's about learning how to chew on scripture and really just suck the marrow out of it and, and understand rather than just this superficial box checking type of Bible reading that so many of us do or, or topical reading where we go grab a scripture to try to beat somebody over the head with it or have a power verse to tattoo onto our arm or whatever. It's really a method for living with scripture and how it can become this source of life for us. And we're going to talk about that today, just how to eat this book and how to chew on it and how to stop dipping our toe in the water, but really to go all in and just dive in there. And I think it'll be a great little talk. Um, 
played it for you before, but but it really is relevant today. And this idea of 30 good decisions, if you could decide that you're going to start spending some time in the Word of God every morning or sometime every day and really see if it can add value to your life and not just be some little thing that you check a box on, I think it would change your life. Because you can't change your life until you change your mind. And one thing you can change your mind about is the Bible's not just a book. It's a source of living water. It's the source of the bread of life. It'll change your brain. It'll help you live better. It'll make you feel better and become happier. If you learn how to eat that book in a way that'll transform everything about how you live, just give it a shot. Here's a good little talk about that. But first, Lisa's going to tell us good news. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery. To get it done, you can get the show notes and more at drleewarren.podbean.com. That's drleewarren.podbean.com, and if you like the show, Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. I got just a a quick idea for you. I've been reading um, a book by Eugene Peterson. Um, my Bible reading lately, I was doing the New Testament in 24 weeks, and now I'm up to the end of the New Testament, and I'm, I'm at the Revelation. And in Revelation 10, there's a little weird verse where the angel comes and he gives uh, John a scroll. He says, uh, verse 9, ch- chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, um, 8, The voice from heaven spoke to me again, Go and take the open scroll from the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the small scroll, the little scroll, says in another version. Yes, take it and eat it, he said. It will be sweet as honey in your mouth, but it will turn sour in your stomach. So I took the small scroll from the hand of the angel and I ate it. It was sweet in my mouth, but when I swallowed it, it turns sour in my stomach. That's a weird little passage, right? It's a little scroll that he eats, and it tastes like honey, but it turns sour in his mouth. And the point is, God's Word is good for you to chew on, and it's good for you to eat, but when it's time to share it with other people, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes um, sometimes people don't receive it very well. Sometimes sometimes you don't feel comfortable sharing the word talking about it to other people. It kind of it kind of burns inside you because you don't know what to do with it, and that's a little bit Probably not exactly the whole point of that passage, but that's that's part of it. Is the word that you taste is sweet, but sometimes it turns bitter in your in your stomach, and that is because people don't receive it the way you want, or you're not willing to share it. And that reminded me, there's another passage in Ezekiel chapter two where something very similar happens. So um, God comes to the the prophet Ezekiel, and he says, "You must give the people my messages, whether they listen or not." But they won't listen, for they are completely rebellious. Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not join them in their rebellion. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. 
And I looked and saw a hand reaching out to me and held a scroll, which he unrolled, and I saw that both sides were covered with funeral songs, words of sorrow, and pronouncements of doom. That sounds terrible, right? And by the way, I'm never going to give you funeral songs, words of sorrow, and pronouncements of doom, okay? The reason that I get up every day to talk to you is because Proverbs 15:23 says, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. I'm just trying to give you the good word, okay? But sometimes, you have some words that aren't so easy, right? Sometimes you have some words that you need to share with other people, the, the, the truth. And our society right now doesn't really want to hear the truth. So Ezekiel says, God told me to eat this book, to eat this scroll. And I did. And for chapter 3, it starts, The voice said to me, Son of man, eat what I'm giving you. Eat this scroll and go and give its message to the people. And I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. He said, Fill your stomach with this. And when I ate it, it tasted sweet as honey in my mouth. So again, there's two different places where we're told when you eat the Word of God, when you, when you digest and intake the Word of God, it tastes sweet to you. It's good stuff. It's not always easy to share it with other people. It's not always easy to tell the truth to other people because we're, we're afraid. We're timid. We're scared to share the word. We're scared to, to speak up when we know that we have a good word because we're worried about how people will receive it, right? That's a whole other story for a whole other day. But I've been reading this book called Eat This Book. It's an old book by Eugene Peterson. I'm just deep into Eugene Peterson right now. I've been reading a lot of his works lately. It's the third one of his books that I've read recently. And in this book, the whole idea is about this spiritual practice of how we read and what we read and the way that we process the things that we read and then what do we do with them, right? And he tells a story that I was reminded of the other day. I read this book a long time ago. I'm reading it again. And I saw the other day Harvey and Lewis were outside and they had dug up somewhere the the horrible mummified remains of a dead sandhill crane they had spread it all over the yard there were feathers and bones and legs and all just horrible stuff all over the yard but they were both sitting there both of them had a leg bone uh, of this crane and they were they were worrying it they were they were just kind of hovered over it down on the ground kind of gnawing and, and they're making this kind of low rumbling growl they were so delighted to be eating this bone and eating this crane even though it's gross to me but it it reminded me eugene peterson told a story something similar about a dog that he had one time and they were they were out for a walk he and his wife and the dog found a deer a dead deer and he, he grabbed one of the bones and he was just so excited he was running around and showing it to him and prancing and like harvey with the gopher the other day stopped me on the tractor to show me how proud he was that he caught this gopher well, Eugene Peterson's dog was was happy and wanted to show and share what he had found. He wanted to, to get get petted for it, get praised for it. He wanted to, to be noticed for the bone that he had found, right? But then after that, after a little while, he took the bone off to a, a private place so he could sit by himself and really enjoy it. And Eugene wrote this, the social aspects of the bone were behind him. Now the pleasure became solitary. He gnawed the bone, turned it over and around, licked it, worried it. Sometimes we could hear a low rumble or growl in a cat. It would be like a purr. He was obviously enjoying himself and in no hurry. After a leisurely couple of hours, he would bury it and return the next day to take it up again. An average bone would last about a week. So he, what he's doing here, the dog has gone from just talking about or socially sharing the idea that he had found a bone or he was reading this book or he was doing this thing. Now he was 
now he was taking it to another level. He was spending time with it and enjoying it and, and kind of grumbling and growling and, and muttering and chewing on it, right? He was really getting into enjoying this bone. That's what Harvey and Lewis were doing. Well, Eugene points out a couple of different places in the Bible where there's a Hebrew word, Hagah, H-A-G-A-H, Hagah, and it's translated in two different ways. In Psalm 1, it's translated, Psalm 1 says, um, blessed is the man or woman whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night, and that word meditate there is Hagah, and so sometimes it's, it's, it's translated meditate, which we sort of take as thinking about or spending some time with, that sort of thing, but in Isaiah, Isaiah found the, the, the poet prophet Isaiah, uh, Eugene says it this way, um, while reading Isaiah, I found the poet prophet observing something similar to what I enjoyed so much in my dog, except that his animal was a lion instead of a dog. Isaiah 31, four, as a lion or a young lion growls over his prey. And the word growl is Hagah. And so the same word, Hagah, is translated meditate in the psalm, and it's translated growl over in Isaiah. And here's what it means. Growls is the word that caught his attention, Eugene's attention, and brought that little pop of delight. What Eugene's dog did over his precious bone, making those low throaty rumbles of pleasure as he gnawed, enjoyed, and savored his prize. That's what Isaiah's lion was doing to his prey. Peterson says, the nugget of my delight was noticing the Hebrew word Hagah, here translated as growl, but usually translated as meditate. But Isaiah uses the word to refer to a lion growling over his prey the way my dog worried a bone. Hagah is a word that our Hebrew ancestors used frequently for reading the kind of writing that deals with our souls. But meditate is far too tame a word for what is being signified. Now, this is what I want you to get. This is the only point of this thing. When Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, that word taste and see is Hagah. Isaiah says the same word a few pages later for the cooing of a dove, by the way. So he talks about the, the lion grumbling over the bone. A few pages later in thirty-eight fourteen, Isaiah says about cooing, how doves coo. The, the word reflects this idea that you're just so caught up in and studying and reading and delighting in the word that you're just moaning a little bit, making a little sound like, like a dog does when he's eating a bone. One careful reader of the text caught the spirit of the word when he said that Hagah means that a person is lost in his religion, Peterson says, which is exactly what the dog is with his bone. That's what Harvey and Lewis were doing with the Sandhill Crane. There's a there's a connotation, a guy named Baron Friedrich von Hugel, Peterson wrote about, had written that this this idea of Hagah is kind of letting a, a lozenge or a cough drop kind of sit in your mouth and just slowly dissolve and you're and you're just you just not chewing it up and swallowing it really fast. You're not just quickly eating it and going on to something else. You're you're sitting with it. You're 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 sucking on it. You're letting it melt into you and become part of you as that lozenge slowly dissolves. I'm telling you this because I want you to get this idea that the word of God should not be just something you check off your list every day, not be something you just read your daily Bible reading really fast or occasionally flip it open or take it to church with you. The Word of God is meant to infiltrate your life. It's meant to to be enjoyed and stewed over and and chewed on and grumbled over and 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 really taken to a private place and ingested and to become part of who you are. 
It's meant to delight you and fill you up. And, and my treatment plan for how we deal with the massive things in our life that I wrote about in my new book, Hope is the First Dose, which, by the way, has a new subtitle of publishers, and, and we have come up with a new subtitle, and I'll share it with you soon. Um, it, was, it started out as uh, the treatment plan to turn hopelessness into happiness when the massive thing happens. The publisher felt like that was not the right subtitle. We got a new one, and it's really, I'm really excited about it. But the idea behind the treatment plan, or how, what do you do when life really wipes you out? The treatment plan involves having some prehab, and the prehab is having some good stuff in your heart and in your head so that you don't forget what's true when your feelings make you think that everything's falling apart. Because feelings aren't facts, right? So how, how do you get that good stuff in you? Well, it's Haggah. It's spending some time with, with the good word of the Lord, with some good music, with some, some good ideas, some good thoughts, some memories of how God always keeps his promises and how he won't let you down this time either, how Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever so that when life wipes you out and the floor feels like it goes away, you realize that's just a feeling and you put your feet down and the floor is solid because as Mark Rogab said... God, Jesus paid the price for the floor of your suffering. There is a floor, right? You feel like there's not, but feelings aren't facts. Now, I want to challenge you. I know one listener out there. I know one person, a friend of mine, dear person I love very much, loves to read romance novels, loves to read Harry Potter, loves to read all those things. I'm going to challenge you. Take a look at your Audible library. Take a look at your Kindle library. Take a look at the books on your shelf if you're a reader. And notice how many of those books are secular and how many of them have something to do with the Word of God, have something to do with how to get this meat into your life, this prehab into your life. And if it's been a while since you read something other than a secular book, a romance novel, a a Harry Potter, a, a great novel like Beekeeper of Aleppo, if it's been a while since you read something other than that, I just challenge you, pick up a Eugene Peterson book, pick up a Max Lucado book. Or if you want something deeper, something more like like mental gymnastics, pick up a Philip Yancey book. Start with The Jesus I Never Knew or What's So Amazing About Grace. If you really want to go deep, pick up a Dane Ortland book like Deeper or Gentle and Lowly. Or if you need to learn some prayer language, pick up a great book from Mark Rogep like Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. There's some There's some books out there that will help you get deep into the Word and understand what you're reading and give you something to gnaw and give you something to haggah, to, to growl over. And you'll find that, that you're, you're filling your mind and your heart with something that's not so superficial. That's not just about getting a story into your head and passing the time and you know, driving downtown and back to your house and listening to something, but something that's going to get in there and actually filtrate, infiltrate into your nerve endings and start putting up a little screen against some of the bullets that are coming at you. It's going to start to feel like some body armor for you. It's going to start to feel like something to protect your head. And, you know, Paul calls it the helmet of the hope of salvation. You'll start to feel like you're a little more armored, like you're a little more protected, like you've got a little bit more leeway in your heart to, to deal with some of the things that are coming along because they are coming along, right? You're going to have some hard times. So I'm just saying all that to say this, this this Peterson idea of eat this book, the two places where the angel said to Ezekiel and to John, eat this. Like this this book is to be devoured. It's to be not just quickly taken in, but it's to be spent to, to for time to be spent with it. It's to growl and grumble over like Harvey and Lewis do out in the yard with those bones. It's it's something deep for you, my friend. And that's all I got for you today. I just I just wanted to kind of share this concept 
of a God. It's taste and see that the Lord is good. But it's not just this superficial meditation idea. It's it's get down on it. Spend some time with it. Chew on it. Let that lozenge kind of kind of dissolve slowly into your mouth. There's another idea that Peterson talks about as a guy who's sitting uh, at his desk and he reads something and he, and he closes his eyes and he puts his hands behind his head and leans back in his chair and he and he just lets the the words that he just read just kind of filter just kind of sit there for a little while and just stew on them and think about them before he opens his eyes and reads some more that's the way we should approach scripture and if you're not doing that friend just start take psalm 34 okay and it's short but it's my like my my passage because 3418 is the promise that got me through losing my son. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Start with 34 and just spend a little time there. But don't just read it quickly and check the box. Put some of it in your heart and in your head. Write some of those verses down. Take them to work with you. Pull them out a few times and, and, and just gnaw on them a little bit. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's Hagah, my friend. It's good. It's good to gnaw on it. It's good to, to worry over it. It's good to, to sort of spend time with it and sit with it and, and bury it and come back to it later. That's what you're supposed to do with the Word. I would challenge you to find any book that will make a different or bigger impact in your life than the Word of God. And I would challenge you, my friend, to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren podcast is listener supported. Check out patron.podbean.com slash Dr. Lee Warren. That's patron.podbean.com slash Dr. Lee Warren. Patrons and partners get free books, transcripts, special patron only episodes and more. And partners like you allow us to stay ad free and keep growing. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarnmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.